0: Jesus House, in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House, London. God bless you. Our Father and our God, tonight we come before you and we are grateful. We're grateful simply because you are here. And we ask, O Lord, that as we sit in your presence with your word, we yield totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We pray that he reveals and opens the word to us, that the word does what you want it to do, that, Father, it makes free, it gives life, that, Father, it encourages, it builds up, and it comforts those who hear it. Father, we thank you. We ask that the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of your word, transforms us to be just like you. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We also pause at the beginning, Father Almighty God, to join our faith with those who are believing God for a miracle. We ask that tonight, my Father, at whatever time during tonight's session, whether they are listening online, whether they are listening currently or playing this back oh lord we ask wherever they need you we ask you to minister to them we thank you for your kindness we thank you for your grace and we ask this in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ of nazareth amen and amen and so ladies and gentlemen tonight um good evening everybody Tonight we're going to pick up from where we left off last week, and so just for the, the next couple of minutes, we'll just review where we left off last week. And you can you can pick it up again, ladies and gentlemen, if you um, log on to the podcast and listen to the Jesus House podcast, the Bible study. It will be up there for you in the next. Um, I don't. I'm not sure it's there now. It'll be there in the next couple of days, so you can plug in but just as a a recap ladies and gentlemen we were speaking about God bringing how God brings in the new that's what we've been speaking about and that's what God has been doing for us at Jesus house moving us into a brand new season we have been walking in this word for the last two years and so we're standing on the word of Isaiah 43 verses 18 to 19 and so last week we got to a point and we were talking about how God brings in the new and this is what we spoke about we started the topic of God will always require you to confront what scares you the most when he's taking you into a new season. That means God will always require you to confront what scares you the most. You're going to find that as you step into the new, as you step into a new season, a new phase of your life, you're going to have to confront what scares you. And we looked at two examples last week we spoke about Abraham and David and we were quite articulate we did mention and we we didn't cover it completely we did mention um, our Lord Jesus and we're going to look at that in detail today and so we're going to pick up from where we left off and so tonight ladies and gentlemen um, our base scripture our scripture for tonight where we will start is in Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to read so that's joshua chapter one um chapter one and we'll pick up the narrative from verse one and so we'll go from there um ladies and gentlemen and so we'll go from there so i'm going to read from the king james version of the bible again if um as we go through this evening we may swap between bibles and i'll let you know when we do so or between versions um, of the bible Joshua chapter one verse one, the Bible says the following: Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, "Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon." That have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Verse 6. The Bible says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it, from the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Verse nine, and we will stop reading at verse nine for now. Verse nine, have not I commanded thee be strong and of a good courage be not afraid neither be thou dismayed for the lord thy god is with thee whithersoever thou goest now ladies and gentlemen i'm reading it in the king james is, is actually quite it's a really pleasant read to listen to it and god repetitively says i will be with you but there's a phrase we need to take notice of and i'll explain why god consistently tells Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Don't be afraid of what's coming. Don't be afraid. And now notice how the narrative starts. The narrative starts in verse one, and it's quite a big narrative because what God says is: now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass the Lord speaks to Joshua, who was Moses' servant. And he had, you know, as he was Moses' lieutenant. When we say servant, he was his minister. Verse two is key. The Lord says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you must realize this is not the first time that the Lord has spoken to Joshua about this. And we're going to have a brief look at that in a moment. But we realize you'll notice the way God speaks to Joshua, he is consistently addressing the element of do not be afraid. What is ahead of you is a challenge. These are huge shoes to fill. And so there are a couple of things we want to notice about it. Remember what we're saying. When God points you into the new season of your life, it is going to cause you to confront what you're scared of. So there are a couple of things we have to look at. The first one is we must realize Joshua is following on from the most successful prophet. He's the benchmark. The Bible says After Moses, God, another prophet has not arisen like unto him. He was a benchmark. Now, Joshua has to fill his shoes. Not that he's unprepared, but when you're about to start, remember, it's a challenge until you begin to realize that not only is God with you, he will enable you to do all that he has asked you to do and all that he has enabled you to do, you'll realize that, oh, I can actually do this. But starting is a major challenge. And so that was the first thing that was on Joshua's mind that, look, you want me to fill this man's shoes? Everybody was still freaking out that Moses was gone. But there's also something else you you need to realize about this particular situation. Joshua had also seen Moses fall foul of the behavior of the children of Israel. And to the point that God said, you cannot go any further. And he saw the ministry of Moses cut short. And that, ladies and gentlemen, must have played on his mind. Now, what I want you to understand tonight is this. Notice, God realized that Joshua was facing all these feelings. God realized that what Joshua was about to step into, this was not necessarily the original plan. It was meant to be him and Moses working together, carrying the people, but now he's doing it on his own. But God's okay with that because he's prepared. But notice what he says. He consistently says to Joshua the following. As we read through, notice he reassures Joshua In every single line, I will be with you as I was with Moses. There will be not be any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You will always walk in victory. I, God, will not fail you and I will not forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people, this is what you're going to do. You're going to divide the land unto them, and they're going to get into their inheritance. And so, what we want to realize, and then he keeps going and he gives him the key of success as he gives you and I. He says in verse 8 that the key for you to be strong and successful is that, and this is the famous verse, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night so that you may be able to do according to all that is written therein for then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success then in verse 9 he says have not i commanded you now ladies and gentlemen the lord keeps using words that are familiar to joshua and i'm going to show you that i'm going to show you what that looks like um he uses words let me go to I'll turn there and I'll give you the reference in a moment, Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we're going to read two verses, and we're going to read verses seven and eight, and I'll read it in the King James Version of the Bible, um, verses seven and eight, and this is what, so that's, I'll put that in the chat, ladies and gentlemen, so you, you have it. So that's Deuteronomy 31, 7 to 8. This is what the Lord says to Joshua. And verse uh, we'll read from 7 to 8. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Verse 8, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with you, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Ladies and gentlemen, what we also realize, and we said this last week, and we're going to look at it again today in every example that we look at, please understand, the antidote to fear invariably is the presence, power, and ability of the Lord. So we realize what Moses was doing before he passes away, and he says it in front of everybody, this is who you are, and this is what you're meant to be. But you'll notice the actual moment for Joshua to step off the starting blocks into what God wants is a challenge. And ladies and gentlemen, notice God sees him through that challenge. Now, when Joshua starts and we see this in Joshua 1, he then begins to command the people and what he is concerned with. The people settle once and for all and I'll read it to you so we understand one he knows he has God on his side that's from verses one to nine Joshua one to n- Joshua one verses one to nine. From Joshua 1 verse 10 now Joshua is speaking to the people and what we read I'll read it for context so that we are clear and then I'll move on joshua 1 verse 10 then joshua commanded the officers of the people saying pass through the host and command the people saying prepare you victuals for within three days you shall pass over this jordan to go in and possess the land which the lord your god giveth you to possess it all of a sudden joshua steps into the gifts and abilities that god has given him verse 11 verse 12 and to the reubenites and to the gadites and to the half tribe of manasseh spake joshua Saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gives you, gave you on this side of the Jordan, but you shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor and help them, until the Lord give, has given your brethren rest as he has given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. Verse 16, and they answered Joshua. Now remember, Joshua's concern was, these people are unruly. These people, if they can knock over Moses, that means they can knock over anybody. Listen to what they say. And they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and soever thou send us we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Ladies and gentlemen, what we said last week, and I'll repeat it here, you'll see it here. What you are afraid of is hiding your greatest moment in history. As you go forward into the new, notice God not only had gone before Joshua, but God had also touched the hearts of the people so that they themselves now knew and they were declaring whatsoever you tell us to do we will do we are not going to go through what we've just gone through with our parents we are going to see this through and they make the same statement God says to Joshua be strong and of a good courage and ladies and gentlemen let me say that to somebody tonight be strong and of a good courage strength and courage comes from verse eight, where you spend time meditating in the word of God and the Lord will pour his courage and confidence onto your inside. So as you step into a new season, no, you're not stepping in alone. You are stepping into a season that God has prepared and God has already prepared the people and what you're going to meet to respond to you in the way that he has demanded it. So ladies and gentlemen, in this sense, we, we want you to remember yes you may be confronted with as uh, what looks like it scares you yes you have to overcome it but what the lord is saying is you're going to be absolutely fine why i'm with you so let's have a look at another one so that was joshua's case let's have a look at two more and then we'll move on to another one so this is also we find the same the same situation and i'll pick on different ones so we've spoken about abraham where it was a fear about losing his wife. We've spoken about David, which was a fear of rejection. Now we've spoken about Joshua, which is the fear of continuation and being able to live up to Moses' ability and the challenge of working with people who may trip him up. Now let's go to a person. And this is what I want you to understand. Ladies and gentlemen, fear has a root. Many times fear is rooted in our circumstances, our situations and things that have happened repetitively let's have a look at ruth's journey and i won't i won't read too much because of time but i let's go through it so come with me please ladies and gentlemen and we're going to go to the end of the story to start ruth chapter 4 and then we will pick up the narrative from there ruth chapter 4 and it is from verse 11 we're going to pick up the narrative from there So let me pop that into the chat for you for the moment. Ruth 4, 11 to 13. And that's where we're going to start our reading. Ruth chapter 4, verses 11 to verse 13. This is the end of the... This is the the turning point of our story. And the Bible says the following. um, And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses... The Lord make the woman that is coming to thy house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrathah, and be famous in Bethlehem. This is where they're praying for for Boaz. And let thy house be like the house of Phares, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. That's them speaking about. Um, he's about to marry Ruth. Now, verse thirteen, ladies and gentlemen, is a single line statement, and I'm going to give you the background behind it. and I'm, I this will help someone. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. Pause for a moment. So our question ladies this is this is the end of the story we know it's gone really great we the beginning of the story and the middle is you know famous reading but what i want you to understand is what was ruth frightened of let's put it in context ruth had to once more marry an israelite the last time she married an israelite two things happened number 1 They were married for over 10 years because the Bible says in um, Ruth chapter one, the Bible says in Ruth chapter one, reading reading from verses four, the Bible says, and they took them wives of the women of Moab, the name of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth and they dwelled there about 10 years. Ruth was married for 10 years and there were no children. So now she is facing the issue of, I have to marry another Israelite. Also, she marries this Israelite, and the Bible says in verse five, the following, and Marlon and Chilion died, also both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Pause for a moment. So she's married an Israelite, there were no children, and they died early. So let me, I want you to understand, when you now see Ruth at the end of her story, about to step into the new season that God has orchestrated, yes, he has been faithful. He's fed them, he's brought them back. He's put her in the hands of somebody who really cares for her. He's created, and Boaz is an amazing guy. Another day we will break this story down, especially if you're believing God to get married. We will say one or two things today because I think it's necessary. But what I want you to realize she can't, all that is great, but now we come to crunch time. Crunch time is she's marrying this gentleman because the law of Israel says, if someone dies without any children, his near kinsman will marry the the lady and raise children up for the person who's passed away she was married before no children and that was in her prime now it is at least 18 years later because she was in moab for 10 years marlon and chilion died within the next two or three years the bible doesn't tell us the the range they then make at least a one-year journey to come back To Israel. On the middle of that journey. They have to pause. So Orpah goes her way. And then Naomi and Ruth begin to travel together. They are traveling as widows. They have nothing. So they they have to travel when it is safe. They may have traveled only in the daytime. Resting and lodging wherever they can. They arrive back in Israel. The Bible says at the time of the barley harvest. They go through the barley. The wheat harvest. All the way to the point. Where he's threshing his wheat. All the harvests are done. So at least that's another year and a half. Then we don't know how long it was before Naomi said, will I not find rest for you? So now Ruth is at least 15 to 18 years outside her prime. The last time she tried being married, she was not pregnant. Now, what I want to say this is this. When the Lord points you into the new, it may scare you, or it may look like it's frightening. But I want you to realize you are going with the Lord. So when the Lord, and I want to speak to someone, I want to speak to somebody who, whereby the Lord is more than likely pointing you to a new relationship. He's asking you to trust someone. He's asking you to Trust someone or, or something. He's asking you to build new friendships, new relationships at work, new relationships that may grow into a marriage or whatever it may be. And it looks like he's terrified. The last couple of times, it may have not have worked. The last times you dated, it may have ended up with a nightmare. Hear me well, please. This is why stepping into the new is important. You never step into the new alone ruth chapter 4 verse 13 is critical the reason and i'll read it verbatim the bible says in verse 13 so boaz took ruth and she was his wife and when he went in unto her notice what the bible says the lord gave her conception And she bear a son, meaning without God's intervention, it would not have happened. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord points you towards the new, I please want to keep this, I want you to keep this in mind. Even though it may be frightening The Bible says you are going into that relationship. You are going after a child again. You are going to apply for something again. You are going to take an exam again. You are not going alone. Ruth faces her fears, marries Boaz, has a a baby, and that baby is the turning point for the history of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We realize this, and the history goes on to talk about it. The Bible says, I'll read from verse 17. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize also about the new is, yes, it might be terrifying, but you are stepping into a pivotal season of history. And you are not doing it alone. So that was Ruth's situation. So if somebody is facing a relationship challenge whereby the new is a relationship, the Lord says, I've got you. I'm, on the other side of that, I'm with you, I'll guide you, and I will literally i will cause everything to work out last one we want to look at we mentioned this last week and it's very important for us to look at it before we go into the next um the next phase of what we're about to say in this area is jesus christ faced the same thing now the reason i wanted to say that and this is the beautiful thing about jesus christ being our savior and being going through everything we went through jesus christ face exactly the same thing exactly the same thing turn with me please ladies and gentlemen and I will write it into the chat please come with me to the book of Matthew chapter 26 and I will read from 36 to 44 Matthew 26 36 to 44 And this is what the Bible says. I'm reading from the King James again, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to read to verse 44. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. We're coming back to that phrase. Then he said, Then he said unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Verse 40. And he cometh to his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and he went away again the second time and prayed saying oh my father if this cup may not pass away from me except i drink it thy will be done and he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy and he left them and he went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words Pause, ladies and gentlemen so that's our reading so what was happening at into Jesus what was happening to Jesus Christ at that point in time he was just about to go into the turning point of history he was about to be tried he was about to be rejected and he was about to take our sin to the cross of Calvary and pay for it with his life now ladies and gentlemen we must realize something Jesus Christ had no sin of his own after he had spoken to, when you read the story, this particular story comes after he had had the Last Supper with the um, disciples. He had instituted the um, the communion, and he had given them all the final, the, the wonderful final, um, final conversations before he goes to Gethsemane. The Bible says something, and this is what I want. I wanted to say this here. The Bible says. When he takes on him our sin, when he begins to take on him as our savior, he begins to feel the effects of what sin does. Notice what happens in verse 37. And verse 37 said, he began to be sorrowful and be very heavy. Ladies and gentlemen, many times when we are confronted with a turning point or we are confronted with a challenge sorrow and heaviness many times come through our circumstances and the way we feel and many times it paralyzes this is what jesus was feeling so he knows exactly how we felt notice he said my soul is sorrowful unto death that comes from the beginnings of what sin does which is to separate you from god your father and so ladies and gentlemen whenever you find yourself drifting into circumstances or situations that make you sorrowful to feel like it can never get better or that make you heavy where you feel like you know i don't want to get up this morning i want to stay in bed it's not going to get any better i don't want to go to work what i want you to realize is The antidote is reaching for your father. What does Jesus do? He goes to a place he knows, and then he gets people that he trusts, and he says, let's go and pray. And ladies and gentlemen, I really want you to understand something. Please hear me. Whenever you are going through a difficult time, don't let depression creep up on you. Don't let depression creep up on you notice jesus said i began to feel it's trying to make the situation worse so what did he do he got hold of his friends he went to a place and he prayed and notice how he prayed he prayed honestly he just let it all out before god and the reason i'm saying this ladies and gentlemen is this notice not only was he feeling what we would feel but he was confronted with a situation he had never been in before because he realized sin was going to separate him from the father for the first time in history. And that ladies and gentlemen was a nightmare feeling. And notice he presents that to God that my father, if there is another way to get this done, let this cup pass from me, because he knew what he was about to face, he had a good idea, He, he had seen a Roman execution before, it was ugly, and the Bible says, he ends it this way, he said, not my will, but thine be done, that is, and ladies and gentlemen, many times, when you have to get up and go to a job you don't like, when you have to work through a difficult season in your relationship, when you have to do something that is necessary, but that you feel like, you know what? I really don't want to do this. Call on the Lord and ask him that, Lord, you know what? If I have to work here, let me excel. If this is how we have to fix our marriage, then let me go through it and I'll go through it with a good attitude. If this is how I have to build a good relationship with my boss, then give me the grace, I'm gonna suck it up. If this is what I have to do to lose weight, if this is what I have to do to get by and you have to go through a difficult season, ask God to go with you and he will. And this is what we see Jesus do. And he said, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. So what was he facing? The separation between him and his father. The Bible records that by the time he finishes praying, he is strengthened. And ladies and gentlemen, please keep this in mind. There are two ways God will, ask, well, there are two, you could point to two general ways that God can answer your prayers. Number one, he can give you a miracle, whereby you will not necessarily have to go through what you're praying about. On the other hand, if you have to pass through it, then he will give you strength and he will not leave you. And I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. And let me, I hopefully, I'm speaking to somebody that if you are confronted with a tomorrow that's a nightmare, or you are confronted with a tomorrow that is not necessarily pleasant, and you have to go down that route, you're going with God and he will give you strength. So this is something I really want you to keep in mind, that he will give you strength. And so what we see here is Jesus going through exactly what we were going through. He prayed and prayed and prayed. And the Bible said he prayed so intensely. And God sent strength. So when you're weak or you're feeling like you can't handle it, ladies and gentlemen, please, please hear me. Pray. Pray honestly, pray openly, and God will answer. And if it is that he gives you strength to go through before he changes your job, then he will give you strength. Each day, you may have to get up each day. You'll have to get dressed each day. You'll have to go in with a good attitude. And what you are concerned about may confront you, but God will give you strength to run the course. By the time you're done, then everything will change. Ladies and gentlemen, so those are the things. So we see Jesus confronted. He confronted with the imminent um, separation between him and his father and God gives him strength to get through it. Now, so let's look as we move on now, let's understand that this is not a nightmare. You might be facing a new season that's a bit scary. That's okay. But there is a single solution a single solution turn with me please ladies and gentlemen to two we're going to look at two scriptures there are hundreds (laughs) there are hundreds but please let's look at two genesis chapter 15 verse 1 genesis 15 verse 1 now genesis 15 verse 1 ladies and gentlemen please keep your mind on that genesis 15 verse 1 says the following And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So what that means, ladies and gentlemen, is this. What is God saying that Abraham, what you're you're about to face is tough? I'm asking you to go down a road that's unusual. I'm asking you to trust me when it comes to children, when it comes to resources, when it comes to favor. I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to go away you haven't gone before. And God says, notice, the antidote to you being afraid is my presence. And it's not just my presence so that you have to scrape your way through. He said, I will be your shield and I'll be your exceeding great reward. I will defend you as you go. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to please keep that in mind. Keep in mind, this is what, this is the the solution to fear is God's presence. Come with me to Genesis 26. We'll only pick on two today. We've got a a, a little bit more to say. Genesis chapter 26. And if you go to um, verse 24, please. Genesis 26, verse 24. 24 this is god speaking um this is god speaking to abraham's son isaac listen to what he says and the lord appeared unto him the same night and said i am the god of abraham thy father fear not for i am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed." for my servant abraham's sake and the bible says that at that point isaac builds an altar and he calls the name and and isaac built an altar there and they dug a well and they called the, the name of the world well beersheba now ladies and gentlemen i want you to notice notice whenever god says fear not he says i am the reason you need to fear not that means i and the one who is going to make it right. You may have to walk a path that is unusual. You may have to walk through a doorway that everybody else is screaming, that, you know what, who's going that way? Nobody else is going with you, or you may have to walk alone, whatever it may be. But notice, ladies and gentlemen, the new is down that path. And the Lord says, go with me that means it is me that will take away what scares you it is what i do it is who i am and there are a myriad of scriptures we can go through and i really encourage you to do this go through the bible and look at all the places where the bible says fear not especially if you're um going through and people are afraid right now A lot of people are afraid that what's tomorrow going to be like, how am I going to get through, how am I going to cope, what's Christmas going to be like, what's New Year going to be like, things are, the news doesn't help. Let's settle something. The good news is that your God is the answer to whatever we are facing. And please go through it and study. I'm going to do a series on Instagram regarding fear not, and it will be fun to talk about that and we'll go through a lot of those scriptures because there's no reason for you to be afraid because God is present and when you do feel fear you can reach for his presence and he will help you. Ladies and gentlemen as we begin to wrap this up tonight let's have a look at how God will move you from where you are into the new especially when it comes to dealing with confronting something you are afraid of please turn in your bible to psalm 23 psalm 23 is going to be the base verse for what we're going to study next this is this is our base verse for the the next 25 minutes 20 minutes or so i'll read it it's nice and famous um i'll read it um the lord is my shepherd and the bible says Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I would like you to realize is, Psalm 23 is, this is the beautiful, beautiful thing about the Bible. The Bible is alive. The word of God is alive. So let's have a look at what Psalm 23 says. The first thing that Psalm 23, let's go, verse. this is a beautiful thing about Bible study. Verse one says the following, the Lord, as in Jehovah, that means the covenant keeping God, the God who is the self-existent one. That means if he makes you a promise, nothing on earth is going to make him more God. He's doing it for you and I. And the Bible says, my shepherd. It's a declaration. You must realize, ladies and gentlemen, your journey has been ordained and guided by the Lord. The Lord is your shepherd. He's walking with you. He's gone down this road before and he has a destination in mind and he is determined to get you there and he will get you there. And the Bible says the following, I shall not want. Many times when we read that, the assumption is that we will not lack any good thing. And that's actually true. But when it says, I shall not want, he's speaking about you. And he's speaking that not only will you have everything you need, but you will be in exactly the shape that god wants you to be in when you get to the other end remember god's project plan concerning you and i is that he will make he says let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea the birds of the air and over everything that creepeth upon the earth and over all the earth genesis chapter 1 verse 26 listen to me please listen to me very carefully It is God's overriding project plan to shape you into what you need to be to be fully successful and have dominion wherever he needs you to be. He will do that in two areas. He will work on your personality and character, and he will work on the abilities that you are able to exercise in his stead. And so that's what the Bible says. You shall not want. Not only will all your needs be met, but you will be what God wants you to be. So that's verse one. Verse two says the following. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That speaks. And this is when God wants to change your direction. The first thing God wants to do is restore you. When the Bible says he makes you lie down in green pastures, that speaks of rest and provision. In that when, the, when a shepherd knows that the next part of the journey is going to have very little water and very little grass, he will corral his sheep and literally force them, keep them in one place so they eat much more than they need. They bulk up so they're warm enough They drink a lot of water because he's going to drive them through a piece of land that may have little sustenance and little water. And so ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord wants to change your seasons, and we've spoken about this, he will stop you. When I say he will stop you, he'll cause you to rest. He will cause things to pause. So all of a sudden you'll face a lull in your job. You'll face a time when you can have reflection. Your, um, that which God wants to do in your life, ladies and gentlemen, he will stop you to get your in- attention. The Bible says, and he leadeth you beside still waters. He will point you to things that you will read, you will study, th- things that you will hear that will change your perspective about what's coming next. And that's something I want you to please keep in mind. God is consistently making sure You have everything you require so that you are able to go into the next level successfully. And so the Bible says he will lead you, cause you to lie down in green pastures and lead you beside still waters. That means there's no, it's easy for access. You will be refreshed, especially if you're coming off a season when you've been working really hard or walking with the Lord quite intensely. Verse 3, the Bible says, he restoreth my soul. Now, this is very important. When the Bible says the Lord restores your soul, it simply means he causes you to return to him to see, think and decide the way he would see, think and decide. So let me read to you. And I'm coming back to Psalm 23, but I will read to you Isaiah 30, verse 15. Isaiah 30, verse 15. The Bible says the following. And I'll read it from the Amplified Classic Version. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning to me and resting in me, you shall be saved in quietness and trusting confidence shall be your strength. This particular verse ends with, but you would not because God is speaking to Israel in a prophetic message, he's not speaking to you. The promise there is that in returning and rest, will you be saved in quietness and confidence shall your strength be. So ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord creates a lull around you, the contracts don't come. Um, Nobody is chasing you. No one's looking for you. There's a quietness. And we've spoken about this where God says, come to me, spend some time with me. He's shaping you for tomorrow. And the Bible says, he restores your soul. That means you are able to see things The way God sees things. And that's really important. Okay? That's really, really important. That's something you've got to focus on. The second thing that you you need to focus on there is this. And then the Bible says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I would like you to understand is this. Although the two words in verses two and three are translated in English the same, they have different meanings. In verse two, where he says, he leadeth me beside still waters, that refers to going with the flow, where God brings you into a flow, and all of a sudden, everything is working. It's like you're being carried along on a raft on a river. He's doing the heavy lifting. But where he says he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, it comes after he's restored your soul. That means you and he will now come to an agreement that this is the path we are meant to go down. And you are going down it not for your prosperity, for your benefits or your success. You are going down it because you sense that Lord This is what you want to do. This is where you want me to go. This is where you want me to work. This is who you want me to marry. And you realize that, Lord, I'm going there primarily because of your namesake. That means you are walking with the Lord down a path that he determines. It may not make sense to you, but this is a road that God chooses and you willingly go with him. Now, the reason I say willingly go with him, because when he restores your soul, you will begin to see things as he sees things. You will begin to notice what he notices. What matters to God will matter to you. This is where we get burdens, callings, and convictions, where it may not make sense to anybody else. You may, take, you may not necessarily go and work in the number one firm, but this is the firm you feel you should work in. You may not be earning the same kind of money. The opportunities may be slightly less, but that you sense that, God, this is where I'm meant to be. And this is the same thing, whether it be in a relationship, whether it be in friendships, whether it be where you buy a house, where you live, where you rent, where, what country you live in. You realize that, Lord, this one is on you. I don't know why, but this is where you're leading me to. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is how the Lord will lead you into the new. And the Bible says it is for his name's sake. That's why it's scary, because this is something God understands, but you may not necessarily understand. All you know is I'm following my father. I know this is God, that's as much as I know. And then all of a sudden, a journey goes down. And ladies and gentlemen, those moments are repetitive. They come, but when you step into them, and I say this with all humility, life invariably changes. And I sense that that's where the Lord is leading a lot of us. Now, let's have a look at verse four. Again, these are famous verses. The moment the Bible says you begin to follow the Lord for the Lord's sake, that means you go where he wants you to go. You sense a calling, a burden, a pull. You begin to notice. God begins to reveal to you your purpose, your destiny, hopes, aspirations. Verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me ladies and gentlemen you will invariably have to pass through with god where you are going you will go through the shadow of failure that means the shadow of death the shadow that which scares you will come right up close to you but because god is with you because many times the people that you are meant to help the things that you are meant to do to glorify God. Think about it like this. If you want to light a candle, you more than likely will walk into a dark room. And that means when God points you to a place, it will look exactly, it won't, I mean, until the until you strike the light and you realize, oh, this is what I'm dealing with. And all of a sudden you realize God has sent you because he wants to put a light in a dark place. And so the Bible says, as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. You'll realize that, wait, that which scared me has no power over me because my father is with me. His rod and his staff. he draws me close to him and he protects me as I go. And ladies and gentlemen we realize we are here to take back territory from satan and his kingdom that is going to us going to require us confronting situations that are unpalatable verse 5 because of time let me move on notice what the bible says next thou preparest a table before me where? In the presence of my enemies, meaning your route to success will invariably involve God causing you to confront what scared you before and they will not be able to touch you. The Bible says God will prepare a table in the presence of your enemies, where you failed before, God will make you the answer and the difference. They will see you walk out of that hospital room. They will see you carry the baby. They will see you marry when everybody else gave up. They will see you prosper when everybody, when everything else looked like it wasn't gonna work. The corner will turn. And the reason it's going to happen is because God wants the voice of your story to be told loud. And that means in the presence of the things that held you back before, God is going to make it happen so that his story will be the story everybody else remembers. That, ah, let my story be like that person. But that requires you going into places others are afraid of. So let me keep going. The Bible then says, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. That speaks of the person of the Holy Spirit. Where you see the element of oil, it is that God will give you his ability so that when you are confronting the situation that has failed before, you will not succeed because you are great you will succeed because God is great. And the Bible says "The by reason of the anointing, that's where the change will come. And so I want you to please keep that in mind. Please keep that in mind that, listen, by virtue of what you are going through, God says, I will give you a sufficient, sufficient amount of oil. I will ensure that the abilities of the person of the Holy Spirit gives you an ability so that you have more than enough. Keep that in mind. Then the Bible says the following in verse 6, and this will be our last, um, the last thing we'll talk about. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now pause for a moment. Goodness and mercy, you find goodness and mercy in Exodus 33, verse 18. And the Bible says, God speaking of himself, the Bible says in verse 19, and God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. Listen to me very carefully. When the Bible says goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, that means when you go into places where success is not expected where children are not expected, where marriage is not expected, where ministry is not expected, where success is not expected. The Bible says goodness and mercy will make it happen. Why? God will show up and he will open doors on your behalf. He will make you successful. Just like Ruth, he will give you conception. This is what I want you to understand, that please, ladies and gentlemen. Although the entrance into your tomorrow might be scary, you are not going into tomorrow alone. And then the Bible says the following, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. What? forever so pause for a moment ladies and gentlemen what is God saying he said I'm waiting for you on the other side of what scares you the most and I will walk with you to get there so that you will do what you are going from my presence into my presence that means ladies and gentlemen although tomorrow may be scary on the other side of what scares you the most is what God has planned for you to change history with and so ladies and gentlemen tonight we realize when God wants to bring us into the new we will yes have to confront what scares us the most but you are not going into it alone and God has not failed yet so ladies and gentlemen that's tonight's but I hope you've had a bit of fun. I hope you've realized that God is on your side and God loves you. And so we join our faith with those believing God for a miracle. We do pause and we realize that people join in a very difficult circumstance and we pray that miracles will be your story. Not only in the next seven days, not only tomorrow, but may God cause his word and his spirit to reshape your story. So a series of fortunate events will cause you to testify where a testimony was not necessarily expected. Ladies and gentlemen, may God bless you and keep you. Have a wonderful night. I'll see you next week.